we are going to continue on this morning where we left off last week in our study uh, about how that God has involved man, humanity, in the plan of salvation, how he's involved us to be part of his working of salvation in the hearts and lives of, man, of mankind. And uh, along the way here, we're learning a little bit about how that God has done some wonderful things in working with people and that he has chosen to do that. When God made the angels, he just, he made them. And after some time, and we don't know how long a time it was, but after some time, Lucifer, who was the chief angel with God, rose up against God, rebelled against him. And he enticed a third of the angels to follow him. And they did, and the Lord cast them out of heaven. And uh, they cast, he cast them into outer darkness. And uh, there's a lake of fire that is prepared for the angels that have fallen, fallen angels. That's the devils, that's demons, as we call them. And uh, the Lord is not going to have that happen in heaven again. But one day, you and I who are of the earth, earthly, shall have our place in heaven. And if we are successful in this life and walking with him, then we'll have a place there. And this is why the Lord will test us or let us be tested. This is why he allows us to be tested, because he wants us to be worthy, qualified for heaven. Praise God. He's not going to have any more fallen, fallen angels up there. It's all over with. But uh, he allows the angels to exist. And so in his great wisdom and his plan, he allows uh, Satan to continue to exist and the devils to continue to exist that they might tempt us. That's all they can do, folks. They can't beat you up. They can't knock you down. They can't physically harm you or hurt you. Uh, a lot of people put emphasis on the devil. No, I don't do that. The Bible says give no place to the devil. But they will tempt you. This is why that that's our battle. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I've kept the faith. That's the battle. He told Timothy in one place, says, fight the good fight of faith. Keep, in other words, keep believing the word and keep believing Jesus Christ. And that's the battle. And it has been from the beginning of time. What, the, what Satan does is that he tries to cause you and I not to believe the word of God. And the Lord's word, he said, is forever settled in heaven. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. So we can learn to hold on to the word of God, to believe the word of God, to hold fast to it. One day we'll walk streets of gold. And once you're on the other side of you're walking streets of gold, you're there forever and forever and forever. When I, the night I got baptized uh, many years ago, the night I got baptized, they told this little story. I think it was the pastor or somebody standing there told the story. As we were standing there in the water ready to be baptized, it was in a bio in, up in the panhandle of Florida. And, uh, and it was at nighttime and the, the moon and the stars were all out and everything. And it was after church service was over with. And somebody said, you want to be baptized? I said, yes. They took us down to baptize us. And they told this story. And I, I thought about it a lot of times. They said if a sparrow, a sparrow would take a grain of sand from the earth and fly to the moon and drop it off and then fly back, if he could do that, and get another grain of sand and fly over there and drop it off, 
once he has transferred the whole earth to the moon, eternity will have just begun. So that's, <laughs> that's so awesome. Our minds can't even wrap around those things. But I'm just trying to tell you here that the Lord wants all of us to be saved, but he's in, he, not but, but and, and he's involved us in our own salvation and in the salvation of others. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit. I want to take a little time here and just re refresh your memories on what we talked about last week. You got your Bibles and we look with us in Psalms chapter 8. In Psalms chapter 8, it's a verse of scripture that uh, we have sort of used as a springboard for our thought and our uh, series, our mini series, I call it, of what we are, are teaching on here. And uh, here in Psalms 8 and 4, 8 and 4, I read 4, 5, and 6. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou hast visited him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with the glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. And then seven and eight goes on to say, all sheep, cattle, beasts of the field, fowl of the air, and fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes of the sea, and so forth. So all things are put under the feet of God has made man to have dominion over that. Now, when we look in the book of Hebrews, Paul, with his wisdom, goes further than that. And he quotes this verse of scripture. And I'm reading here again in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 6. Verse 6, but one in a certain place, this is six, uh, 2 and 6 of Hebrews. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou hast visitest him? Visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hand. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. So what, uh, what Paul is saying here is that the scriptures, the scripture in Psalms, where it talks about all things put under the feet of man, is, is really an incomplete statement. There's a finished work that has to be done, and that's what we're talking to you here about today. And uh, then he goes on to say, uh, verse, uh, verse 9, the very few first, first four letters, four, uh, first four words. But we see Jesus, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, and so forth. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit. I'm just going to just remind you that what we talked about, we talked about how the God appeared unto Abraham and said, Abraham, I'll make of you a great nation. What was required of Abraham? For him to be saved by God's power and grace was that he believed the Lord. That was, it was faith. Faith is believing. He had to believe the word of God. And when God said, Abraham, I want you to come out of Ur into the land, I'll show you. So he did. And the Bible said he did that by faith, the 11th chapter of Hebrews. And then whenever he got there, then the Lord said, now I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you all this and all of your heirs shall possess this land heirs i don't even have a son you know all i'm going to give you a son and everything well it finally seemed impossible when he was 99 years old and his wife finally got to be 90 and then the lord so one day appears and says okay i'm going to give you a son now and it's going to be by mary it's not going to be you know hagar and it's not going to i mean hannah excuse me hagar hannah 
and it's not going to be, you know, uh, Ishmael and anything like that. It's going to be Isaac. And, uh, and so this promise was given unto him. He had to believe God for that. And it was a little tough to believe at their age that they were going to, but they did have a son. And it, it all came into pass, just like God said that it would. And uh, we went on to say that the Lord gave him a, a name. He said, my name is El Shaddai. El Shaddai means I can do anything. I'm all power. We talked about all that last week. And then he had to believe God that God could do all things and God would do all things. The last great test was now take that son that I promised that all your, all the promises would come from. Take Isaac and offer him for a sacrifice unto me. And he said, well, if that's the, the one that the promises to come through, <clears throat> houses that have offered him for a sacrifice, he can maybe reason all that. But if God said it, God has a plan. And the Bible says in the New Testament, Abraham believed that God would raise him up. He actually believed God would raise him up. That's how great Abraham's faith was. And he was willing to slay his own son to keep that faith and that these words would come to pass. And of course, the Lord stopped him and said, no, you don't have to slay your son and everything. I just wanted to see that you would do it. And he, God already knew his heart, but God wanted on record that Abraham believed God with all of his heart and soul. So that all of his heirs from then on would know and understand that. El Shaddai. Then later, when the children of Israel were in Egypt and the Lord was going to bring them out, he appeared unto Moses and said, Moses, uh, my name is, is I Am. I Am. And I talked to you about that. I, I showed you here that the four letters, and I just mentioned this very briefly here. I'm not going to go into detail on this. I've got a lot to give you here today, other things. But this is the, the four letters. Uh, I've got it. I'm sorry, I got it upside down. And uh, this is the four letters. It's called the tetragrammaton or the tetragram. It means four letters, and it's the four letters of God. It's the I am. He said, he said, what shall I say that you, who sent me? And he said, Abraham, tell the Jewish people, I am has sent thee. I am that I am. And it means that God is always and God is everywhere. In other words, you just say it and God is there. I'm going to spring off of this in a few moments. But this is, a, this is J-H-V-H. This is the H sound. This is the J and this is the V. Sometimes this is do, done with a W. Oh, and that's why where you get. And also the J here, the Jew, the, in the Hebrew language, language, there is no J. It's a Y sound. That's why if you see in some maps and things, it doesn't say Jerusalem. It says Jerusalem. How many have seen that? Jerusalem. Yeah, some of you nod your head. Yeah. It says Jerusalem. A lot of if you see J names, unless they're translated through the English language, J is very pronounced in the English language, but in Hebrew, it's not there. Uh, the English language has 26 letters in the alphabet. Hebrew only has 22. And so this is the, this is the J or the Y. The sometimes this is the H sound. We talked about that J. This is the strongest letter in the Greek, in the Hebrew alphabet. And this is this one here is interchangeable. It's the V or W. Uh, in, in, it's immaterial. But anyhow, in the 13th century, in the 13th century. Uh, translators in the English language in order to give God a name that could be pronounced they made a J-H-V-H they put an uh, put a, a, this J J-A-V-A-H J, they put an A and an O I think a J-V-O-H B-A-H I got it right J-E-A E and an A I guess it is anyhow they put two vowels in there 
uh, E-O-A is what they put, so they can make them up with the word Jehovah. And uh, so that this is the way it would have looked. I gave you this last week. And I really don't want to get bogged down in last week's lesson here. But J-H-V-H, and then they put E-O-A, these vowels in here to give it the name Jehovah. Another one was a Y-H-W-A, or Y-H-V-H, and then was called, they put the vowel, and they call it Yahweh. And then also that V is interchanged with W, so Y-H-W-H, they put Yahweh. So anyhow, any of those names means the name of God. It means I am. And that's where I'm getting uh, to with this. So these are the names of God and uh, the I am. When Jesus was to come, his name was to be called Jesus. And we talked about that last week, and I'm not going to go into detail on it, only to say that Jesus, uh, Jesus means Jehovah or Yahweh or I am have become salvation. And when Jesus came, he made himself to be the I am. The I am, and then all the Jews knew that the I am uh, was God's name, and they believed it was not to be pronounced because just like we cannot say I am, if we said it in the third person, said who sent you, uh, Moses would have said he is. Well, he is and not the same as I am. And then if Moses would have said I am sent you, he didn't send, he didn't send himself. So he said, well, let me just write it down for you. And so the Jews said, okay, apparently God doesn't want us to pronounce it. He wants us to write it down. So the word Lord became the substitute. Uh, and that, that was the word that was used, Lord. And I mentioned all that to you last week. I'm not going into a lot of detail on it. But I just want to say this, that when you read the Bible in the Bible where it says L-O-R-D, all capital letters, that's referring to the name of God, I am. So the name of God is all through the Bible, but it's always spelled out with Lord because it comes from the old Hebrew uh, manuscripts in the Old Testament. Uh, the, uh, the I am, when Jesus came, it means I am salvation. It was the emphasis that God put on salvation. The I am meant that not only could God do all things and would do all things, but that also God Almighty will change things to make it happen. He will make things, he will turn things upside down if he has to. In other words, not only can he do it, but he will make it happen. That's why he rolled back the Red Sea. They, he said, you know, I mentioned this to you last week. He said, Moses, put your hand in your bud. He pulled out his leprosy and they put it back and it was, it was clean. Throw the rod on the ground, picked up. That's the first miracle that you see in the Bible outside of Isaac being born, you know, to parents that were past age for, to have children. Outside of that, there's no miracles in the Bible until you get to Moses, and Moses does that. And then there's the rolling of the Red Sea. There is the, there is the, the, the manna that falls from heaven. There is one thing after another showing that God will turn the world upside down if he has to for his people. He gave them laws, and he said to them, now I want you to keep my commandments and obey them, and this is an act of your faith. Believe it, you know. And the, they had to do things by faith. You see, faith always carries an action. Some people like to say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, now shall be saved. Baptism is an act, is a work. It's not a work, it's an act of faith. Jesus, in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, it says they marched around the walls of Jericho seven times. That was an act of faith. They hadn't walked around the walls of Jericho. Those walls wouldn't have fallen. The Lord said, walk around them seven times. Six days, one time, and seventh day, seven times. And the walls fell. 
And uh, everything, they, every time they walked, all day, all, every day they were walking, it was an act of faith, believing God. The Bible says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism is a, is a, is a necessity. It's an act of faith, praise the Lord. Living for God is an act of faith. Paying your tithes is an act of faith. I'm serious. Praise the Lord. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not getting financial here. I'm just saying all these things. Holiness is an act of faith. You ladies, especially our ladies, they dress holy. And folks, if there is no decency of standard decency, it, it, it gets unlimited. I mean, people will dress all kinds of crazy ways. Not just women, guys too. But I mean, especially women. And, and I'm just trying to say here that holiness, how we look, how we act, what we do, where we go, what we don't, all of those things are all part of that holiness that God requires. He said, be ye holy for I am holy. If he said, be ye holy for I am holy, then we are to be a holy people. He says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. That's the word of God. I believe that. Do you believe that? Without holiness. So we have to maintain holiness in our lives. The Bible says, neglect not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, seeing the day approaching. Assembling ourselves together is what we are right here, you know. You can't say, okay, I'm saved. I'm not going to go to church anywhere. I'm going to work out my own salvation. <laughs> that kind of a thing, kind of an attitude, you know, and everything. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how can we hear lest there be a preacher? And how can he preach lest he be sent? It does not the Bible say that? So our faith is made strong and increased by the hearing of the preaching of the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Not just hearing any old thing, it's hearing the word of God. I'm going to be honest with you. In my long walk with God, I've been living for God now 60 some odd years. And in my long years of walking with God, there's been times I've gone to church I mean, the Bible says, go, go ye forth and set the world on fire. Somebody, that's the way I felt when I first started out. Sometimes my tail light was just barely burning, you know, I was just barely. And I just squeak in the back door and I just said, Lord, I'm just, I don't know. Everything in, everything in my life's upside down. Everything's going wrong. I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. I slipped in the back and sit down in the back. This is when I was a young guy everything and the spirit of God would move and the Lord would lift and that preacher would get in that pulpit and he'd preach a message I said dear Lord he's been reading my mail he's preaching right at me that guy's preaching to me and, and he didn't know it God gave him what to preach and I was receiving it now I don't know if that's ever happened to anybody okay and it was your hands yeah a lot of hands because that's the way God operates faith comes by hearing when I got through that service, I said, God, you love me, and I know your hand is on me. But see how God used that preacher for me. He used that, that man in the pulpit for my sake. He uses pastors for your sake because we are involved in the salvation of the Lord. And this is how God operates. Let me move on into one other thing here. I've talked to you here about uh, Scripture about what is man that are mindful of him. And... Uh, the Lord also identified himself as, as the I am. Jesus said that. I want to read this verse of scripture to you in John. This is in chapter 8, verse 56. He's Jesus speaking here, 856 of John. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. But 57, 
Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Listen to what Jesus says, 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, <laughs> I get tickled every time I read this. This really turned their apple cart upside down, man. 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. You see what he says? He didn't say before Abraham was, I was, even though that's the case, because he's God. But he said, before Abraham was, I am. And look at verse 59. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now, did he disappear? Did he just move out among the crowd? I don't know. But one thing about it, they didn't get to him. But they picked up stones because they were, they, he was going to kill himself. Just a couple of pages, just a couple of chapters in John over in chapter 10, verse 31. He says in verse 30, I and my father are one. Verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I shown you for my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not. But for blasphemy, because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. The truth about it, God had made himself man and walked among mankind. And, and, and Jesus was that man, praise the Lord. Uh, later on, Jesus, it's happened again. Jesus said, if I do not the works of my father, believe me not. Verse 38. This is uh, 1038 now. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Praise the Lord. And the Lord was just trying to let them know that he was the almighty God. Praise the Lord. Now, here's another interesting verse I want to give you. This is one found over in John 17. This was 18, rather. This is where Jesus was in the garden praying and Judas led the mob there to get him. And John records this, and he's the only one that records it to this detail. I'm looking at 18.4. 18.4. I want to show you something here. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said, this is, he had been praying in the garden while he was praying. They said, hey, a big multitude coming. They had torches and they had staves and they had spears and swords. And they all showed up there in the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was praying. Big mob and it was... You know, and they, they showed up there. And Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come to, upon them, went forth, said unto them, Whom seek ye? This is verse 4. Verse 5. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. You see that? Now look at the word he, because the he is in italics, which means that it was not in the original scriptures. But the translators put it there to give it clearer meaning, which I can appreciate, except that they did not grasp the fact that Jesus meant for it to be I am. You understand what I'm saying? Here's why we know that. Jesus saith unto them, I am. And Judas, all, uh, Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he said unto them, I am. I'm leaving the he out because the translators put it in both cases. 
as soon as he had said to them, I am, they went backwards and fell to the ground. In other words, Jesus said, I am God's what he was saying. And then the power of his statement just knocked them to the ground. And then they got up, and of course, verse 7, then asked he them again, whom seek ye? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. And the he again is in italics. Therefore, you seek me, let these go their way. And this was the beginning of Jesus' trial, so forth. I'm just showing you here that Jesus made himself to be the I am. Another very interesting thing is that nine places, nine places in the book of John, uh, Jesus makes himself to be the I am. I'm going to read these to you, and I just jotted down some of them here. Uh, the I am of the Old Testament, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. All of these are found in the book of John, and they're all saying, Jesus saying, I am, I am, I am. Do you understand what we're saying here? That Jesus Christ stated himself emphatically that he was the almighty God, and he said that I am. Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to go to uh, Hebrews 2, back to Hebrews 2 with it for just a moment. Hebrews 2. I've got some interesting things to show you here. And... Uh, <clears throat> We've been reading here from the 6th down through 8, all things were put under man. And this was quoted by Paul from the book of Psalms. Look at verse 9. I'm going to read this. But we see Jesus. Do you remember we read that a while ago to you? All things were put under him. And yet, yeah, but we see not all things yet put under him in verse 8. But we see Jesus, verse 9, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things now notice that that statement for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering now, I want you to take notice this because uh, this is also brought out in Colossians. I want you to look with me, if you would, in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. And uh, let me see if I can find it myself. Hang on a second. All right, Colossians 1, 16. For by him were all things created. Everybody see that? This is talking about Jesus now. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now notice that says the same thing that it says over in the book of Hebrews, by him and for him. All things were created by him and for him. And uh, verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So are we talking, Brother Myers, about Jesus Christ being, you know, back before he was born? Yeah. 
but as God. He was God. But also, now listen to me closely, and I want everybody to put on your seat belts, get your feet in. Listen to me closely on this one. Stay with me. Also, he was the pattern by which all things were made. I'm going to show you that. It's, it's in the Bible. It's in the Word. I'm going to give you some understanding here today that a lot of people do not understand, and they don't have the foggiest idea, but you're a smart group here today, and I want to show you something. Go to Genesis 126. I want to show you something. Genesis 126. This is where the Bible talks about God creating man. 126. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle. This is where the statement all began right here. And uh, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him. Now, somebody said, oh, this is simple to understand, brother. This is part of the Trinity. This is the Father saying to the Son, let us make man in our image. He's saying to the Father and the Holy Ghost, let the Son and the Holy Ghost, let us, you mean three separate and distinct persons. This is what the Trinity doctrine teaches, that God, that, that God is three separate and distinct persons. First of all, the word Trinity is not even in the Bible. It's not even a biblical word. It was a word that never, that cropped up, came from the Athanasian Creed in 325 A.D. and was established in the Athanasian Creed when they tried to bring all the churches under Constantine, who was the emperor of Rome, tried to bring all the Christian churches together to believe one thing. And even Constantine even admitted, I don't care whether that they, it's truth or not, as long as it's, they all agree together. That's the main thing he was concerned about. And so they said, they came up with this Athanasian Creed, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, three separate distinct persons. Never was there a time one was without the other, another shall there be a time that one shall not be without the other. Never is there a place that one is not, that the other is not, and all that kind of stuff. It goes on and on. If you've ever read the Athanasian Creed, or it's all called, it's called the Trinity Creed. And so it's a creed that says there's three separate and distinct persons. Folks, that is not scriptural whatsoever. Hero is the Lord our God is one Lord. You know, love him with all thy heart. This is why many Jews do not become Christians, because they feel like they have to accept the Trinity, and they do not believe in the Trinity, and they know that in the Old Testament it was taught against. Now, I'm not going to dwell on that, only to say that a lot of people believe that this 26th verse is the Father talking to the Son. So, Brother Myers, if it's not, what is it? I had a friend one time that he and I were used to discuss Scripture uh, I was in Bible school. He was in another Bible school. And we'd work together in the evenings and everything. And we we're always talking Bible and everything. And uh, so he threw this one at me one day. I asked him one time, I said, Mike, his name is Mike. I said, Mike, I said, what's the image? What do you mean, what is the image? He said, God, God is the image. I said, no, no, the Bible says God is a spirit. And the Bible says that man is body, soul, and spirit. You know, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, that's uh, in another scripture, you know. I said, so what is the image? He said, well, I don't know. I said, I'm going to tell you what the image, I'm going to show you what the image is. So let me show you what the image is. Everybody ready for that? What was the image of God? What is the image of God? All right. So I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. 
I'm going to give you three verses here, and that ought to be enough for it. 4-4. Four, four. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Jesus Christ is the image of God. All right, let's read another verse of Scripture. This one is found in... Uh, this was found in Hebrews. I'm going to read 1 through 3. Everybody with me? Hebrews 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. God, who at sundry times and divers manners spake in times past to the fathers by the prophets, verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, whom also he made the worlds, whom also he made the world, by whom he made the worlds, take note of that, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person. Jesus Christ, the express image, expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, and etc. Now, another verse of scripture I want to give you here is uh, in Colossians. We were there a while ago, Colossians 1. We read 16 down through 17. Let me back up to the 15th verse, one verse before. Colossians 1.15, speaking of Jesus Christ. And it talks about, you know, how he shed his blood and so forth who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Firstborn. How is that? Now, let me, let me give you some understanding here. Jesus Christ in God's plan, way back in the beginning, in God's divine plan, Jesus created Jesus. God created Jesus Christ. And in God's plan, Jesus was to come. Uh, look in John 1 1. Look in John 1 1. I know some of you say, wow, this is heavy, Brother Myers. I don't know. I don't know. Look in John 1 1 with me. Let me find John 1 1. That's a good one. Hang on. All right. I think I found it. Yeah. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then down in verse 16, 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So in the beginning was the Word. The word, word here comes from the Hebrew word logos. And the word logos, in from the, not the Hebrew word, but the Greek word. The word logos in Greek uh, means not only the spoken word, but it means the thought word or the plan of God. In other words, the plans, it can be a mental thing. It can be, and in the word logos, it was more extensive than just spoken. God doesn't have to say anything. He can think it. It's, it's there, you know. But his plan that he had in the beginning was the plan of God. Praise the Lord. God designed, designed and desired for Jesus Christ to come forth. He was with him in the beginning. Uh, here's another one. Look in Proverbs uh, chapter 8, verse 22. Proverbs 8, 22. I don't know if I even got it there, but... Uh, Look in Proverbs 8.22. I wasn't going to go there, but let me just show you this. Everybody there? Proverbs 8.22. I appreciate these people. They're so quick up there on this stuff. Thank you. Folks, I see one lady. Thank you. 
Praise the Lord. 22, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning or ever the earth was. When there was no depth, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water before the mountains were settled. Verse 25, I'm reading. Therefore, the hills were brought forth. Verse 26, while as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the heights, nor the parts of the dust, when he was prepared of the heavens, I was there. When he, went, uh, when he set a, co a compass upon the face of the deep. He goes on to say, uh, down, and I'm, I'm going to go quickly down to verse 30. Then was I by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing every ways before him. And to know what he's speaking of, you go to chapter 8, verse 1. Doth not wisdom cry? He's speaking of wisdom. And understanding put forth her voice. This is God's mind and thoughts and his plan. So in the beginning, God said, let us make man. Let us make man. So God, in making man, he looked 4,000 years ahead to the coming of Jesus Christ and made Adam in the image of Jesus or the similitude of Jesus who was yet to come. Brother Myers, that's pretty far-fetched. Oh, it is. It's scriptural. Look, in, look with me in Romans 5, 14. 5, 14. I'm giving you some deep things here today. You don't, you don't, find, you don't find this everywhere. 514, look at this 514 here of Romans. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after this similitude of Adam's transgression, who, speaking of Adam now, who is the figure of him that was to come. So Adam was made in the image of Jesus Christ, not there, but who was yet to come. And Jesus Christ was God's plan by which he made everything. Think about it. In his plan, there was Jesus. Praise the Lord. And then he made the earth. He put the right amount of air so we could breathe. It was for Jesus, not for you and me individually, but for Jesus. He put in the right amount of air, the right amount of water so we could drink it, the ground so it would grow the food that we could eat it, the beasts of the field and all the animals they put on the earth that we could, we could eat. Our system was a digestive system. Everything about man, and it was all by the pattern of Jesus Christ. All things were made by him and for him, by him as the plan or the object of which all things were made, and also by him as God Almighty and for him, by him and for him. Praise the Lord. Now, there's one more little, little glitch here, and I'm going to got five minutes to wrap this up. It says, Brother Myers, let us make man. Now, you're talking about God making man after the image of Jesus coming, but it says, let us, that's a plural thing, let us make man. That's right. So that the finished work was not to be done till Jesus came. Jesus is the finisher, for, finisher of our salvation. He had to come because his blood had to be shed. And Calvary had to be done, and the resurrection had to be established for us to have eternal life. Oh, I know we got life on this earth for a season, but we're talking about eternal life. So let us make man in our image. So Jesus Christ, praise the Lord, who was yet to come, amen, was to be the finished work. And uh, 
So the Lord wants every one of us, praise the Lord, to be saved. He wants us to believe in his, in his name. And he wants us to understand that Jesus Christ was not only the pattern, but he was also the one who would do the finished work. I want you to go back to that book, in, that scripture in Hebrews, where it talks about uh, where he, in Hebrews, this is chapter 2, I've been reading to you, but we see Jesus in verse 9. Let me jump over to verse 14. Everybody put on your bonnet now. Hang on with me. 2.14 here of Hebrews. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, also himself, likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, that's us, who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That's people. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Jesus, we used to sing, the children used to sing a little song, I guess, years ago. He made the moon, he made the sun and the moon and the stars, and he made Jupiter and Mars, but he's still working on me. How many of you know that little kid song, you've heard it, but he's still working on me. And this is where it is, folks. Jesus is still working on us. That's why he won't let you get away with anything. I'm serious. If you're a child of God, you're not going to get away with it. The Lord will deal with you about it. You ever come to church and, and, some, and preacher preach something and the Lord deals with you about something? You know, sometimes it's to encourage you about something, but sometimes he deals with you about something. And you say, God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have spoken that way to that sister. I shouldn't have spoken that way to that brother. I shouldn't have acted that way out on the road to, you know, to the other driver. I mean, I'm just, you know. You know, whatever it is, you know, I shouldn't have hit that guy with that ball bat the other day. <laughs> Forget I said that would catch those words. <laughs> I'm just saying the Lord deals with us about things. And it's because he loves us. He wants us to be saved and that he's included us in the salvation. Now, here's a here's one of that's us. Let's talk about our fellow man for real quick. And I'm going to close out with this. Jesus also included us in our brothers and sisters salvation. He says here, by grace you are saved and that through work. So we've got to believe. I mean, by grace we are saved and that through faith. All right, now he also says, go, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Other people's salvations are dependent on me and you. Others, God shows them that. Whenever Cornelius appeared unto God, uh, the angel appeared unto Cornelius and said, Parnita's been praying about salvation. This is the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. And uh, he said, uh, the angel said, Cornelius, what are you praying about? He said, I want to be saved. Okay, you repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you shall be saved. Is that what the angel told him? No. The angel said, send to Joppa and ask for a man by the name of Peter, and he will come and tell you what you got to do to be saved. Because God has chosen man for the salvation of his fellow man. That's the beautiful part about it. And I quoted that scripture a while ago. 
you know, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, and how can we hear lest there be a preacher? And how can he preach lest he be sent? How can we believe without a, the, you know, without a preacher? We've got to have the preacher. So God has raised up the ministry in order that we might be saved. Uh, even Paul, when he was struck down from Damascus and the road to Damascus, the Lord said to Paul, Paul, I'm going to, you know, blinded him and everything. And he, who art thou, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Lord, what would you have me to do? The Lord said, go into Damascus and go to a place, certain place. And there's a man that'll tell you what to do there. And he went there and there was a, and he spoke to that other man, that other prophet. And, uh, and he went to, uh, to Paul's house. And he told Paul, he said, you know, the Lord is going to raise you up and use you. But it was the man who brought the message, laid hands on him and Paul and baptized Paul in water. The Bible says that. And then he laid hands on him and he received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. It doesn't say there, there in the, in that chapter, that uh, eighth chapter that he spoke or ninth chapter that he spoke in tongues. But when you read over in the book of first, uh, first, uh, first uh, Corinthians 13, Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. So he's a tongue talker for any of you folks that don't believe you have speaking tongues. Well, thank God. God has chosen. And so, folks, he involves us. That's why that we can't hold our peace. You've got to tell everybody you can. You've got to be a witness. I've got other scriptures. I can go on and on where the Lord used people to help other people get saved. It wasn't the angel. It wasn't the angel. It was the, the Lord said, man, man among men, that they might be saved. Aren't you glad for the wonderful plan of God? He involves us in our own salvation, in the salvation of others, and he's the great God of all heaven and earth. What a wonderful plan of God that he has for us. Let's all stand together and worship God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much.